What's going on, everybody? Welcome to NBA Stories. I'm your host, Nick Nassavi. And we have a really cool episode here for you tonight. I'm super excited, actually, to, to do this. You know, when I first started this podcast, the main idea was to make it a draft podcast. I wanted to talk about the drafts. Like, that was my big thing. But then I realized, like, there's only really so many draft stories out there. So I, I expanded, made it an NBA podcast, just NBA in general. And so... To take it back to the draft is kind of a really exciting thing for me, especially because a few weeks ago, actually last week, was the NBA draft lottery. And so we saw a lot of things happen that night. And because the lottery was taking place, we actually are able to get some solid mock drafts down. And so we're going to do that tonight. We're going to talk about what our mock drafts would be. And so I have an entire collective, the biggest collab of this, the history of this of this show, I have a few people here. Number one, we have Ben Pass from Pass the Line Sports. He was here last time. He's here again this time. We're going to talk about all things NBA Draft 2020. Ben, how you doing today, bro? I'm doing great, man. It's always a pleasure to come on NBA Stories Pod, and I'm super fucking hyped to talk about the draft. Even though this class is absolute shit. It's really bad. There's always diamonds in the rough. So, like, I don't know. We'll see who it is, but... I'm excited, especially since I got the Knicks pick too. It's all it's always years like this where we see somebody who's like 13, 14, 15 in that range who who just ends up being a fucking star. This is the same kind of draft class where we saw Giannis break out, right? That was the Anthony Bennett draft. Obviously, he's not even fucking in the league anymore, right? But Giannis is the MVP back-to-back most likely. So who knows what happens in these draft classes. Somebody's going to be good. That's the coolest thing about the draft. Somebody in this list is going to be good. We just don't know who it is. And hopefully it's the number one pick or else Minnesota got fucked again. Also with us is both of the hosts of the Mark and Graham podcast. Logan is here. Logan's often here. He's here again. Super excited to have Logan back on. How you doing? What's going on? Another day, another fight with Nick. Cannot wait to draft up this team and tell Nick why he would be an absolutely terrible GM in the NBA. But always a good time being back here and hope you boys are doing well. I like to bring Logan here because everything that was pre-2010, he has absolutely no idea what to talk about. So that's one of my favorite parts. (laughs) And uh, last but not least, of course, Mr. Mark DeQuilla, the other host of the Mark and Graham podcast. How are you doing today, Mark? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be on here with the boys. It's uh, my first time ever on with all four of you guys, or all three of you guys, four including me, and it's going to be fun drafting tonight. Um, Like I said, I was on the pre-show, I said, this year with no March Madness, it really makes things extra interesting with this draft. There's some players on here that I'm really not all that familiar with, had to do some research. I mean, there's so many guys on a yearly basis like Dante DiVincenzo's of the world who make their entire draft stock based on the tournament. So missing that this year, it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. It also has to, has something to say where it wasn't like a great class to begin with either. Like, and I've been, I said it in my my mock draft for from the stadium.com. Another point just to bring up this spot, this podcast is now officially a from the stadium podcast on the network. So everybody, I'm going to start hyping the shit out of this because I also run their Twitter for basketball. And so that's another big thing going on. I wrote my mock draft for that website 
And the, one of the first things I said is that this is the first year, and honestly, probably about five or six years where there's really not a prize at the number one spot. There's great talent, but there's not like a there's not like a Zion Williamson. You don't have a DeAndre Ayton or a Jason Tatum. You don't have a Ben Simmons. This not there's not a talent like that. It really depended on who was going to get that first pick to see he, even who the first pick was going to be on most of these mock drafts. So that's a big thing about the draft this year. And uh, now, Logan, we're both Knicks fans, and we both had to suffer uh, multiple times now, back to back, watching the Knicks one lose out on the Zion sweepstakes, and like have to quote unquote settle for RJ Barrett, who obviously is not really settling, but it's not Zion. And this year, for some goddamn reason, they get the eighth pick. And I, I also said this in the mock draft that I wrote up: if somebody's rigging the draft, they're definitely not a, a New York Knicks fan. They really, actually, probably hate the Knicks, and it's very frustrating at this point because it's really, honestly, coming down to the fact that the only thing that's ever going to make New York a good team is uh, if James Dolan dies. He needs to die. And so that's the only thing that's left to do. Uh, I don't know if you agree with that, Logan. I don't know if you want to incriminate yourself uh, just like I just did, but that's kind of what I'm seeing, you know? Yeah, uh, Nick, I'm going to harp on that a little bit. Um, I'm going to start off with a nice, fuck you, Dolan. Another year, another disappointing draft lottery. Knicks fans haven't seen luck since 1985 when we won the first lottery and we took Ewing. And he obviously became one of the greats as a Nick. Haven't had the top pick since. It's 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 actually fucking astonishing that no matter how much we fucking suck, we can never catch a break. And I just don't get it. Dan Gilbert has all these shitty years in Cleveland, and all of a sudden his luck gets fucking reimbursed. What the fuck? Where's that with New York fans? I'm so sick and tired of this. I am so sick and tired. For some reason, even putting the thought in my head that the Knicks are going to get someone good. I thought we were going to take someone good. We took Frank Nilakina. I thought we were going to take someone good. We took Kevin Knox. I thought we were going to take someone good. We finally did. We took Porzingis. And guess what Dolan did? He fucking traded him. I do not understand how this Por- Porzingis made him do that. Works. That was Porzingis forced There's a reason why he didn't want to be there, Nick. Because fucking James Dolan. Yeah. And I understand, Mark, you've had a lot of disappointing seasons with the 76ers. Ben, I'm sure you've had a few disappointing seasons. Well, no, you really haven't. So I guess you really can't say anything. There was like one year, I'd say, but yeah, I mean, I guess you, I guess you can't really say anything because you're a fucking Celtics fan for some reason, and you're living in fucking Miami, Florida, but or Fort Lauderdale, excuse me. Anyways, fuck the Knicks. Let's get this draft going. I cannot stand the fact that the Knicks keep letting the shit end of the stick, just like me. So last night. We watched, I don't know if you guys watched, but I know I watched one of the craziest Game 7s. There were so many questions in that game. Like, uh, why is Rudy Gobert all of a sudden great on offense? Um, the, I guess the biggest question is, uh, did Jamal Murray's girlfriend break into the bubble because he's been fucking killing it in this series? <laughs> the fucking throat demon herself must have broken in there <laughs> to, get, to get him playing the way he's been playing. But it was a great game. Crazy finish. A lot of bad mistakes at the end of that game. But uh, I wanted just to touch on that because by the time this comes out, all of the Game 7s will be over. I do believe that the Rockets and the and the Thunder are playing right now as, as we're speaking. So that'll be done. They just started. Yeah, they just started. So the second round will be all underway. And I'm saying Heat and 5. I think the Bucks are trash. I honestly wish they... They're up by 6 right now with 5 minutes who, left. Who, the Heat? 
And also, yeah. And also just wanted to interject, taking this completely sideways. For those of you Bucks fans listening, they just signed Leonard Fournette. I just got that notification. I was going to say it if you didn't, but I drafted Fournette in the 10th round and it was an absolute steal. I know we're talking about basketball, but I'm like shit in a brick wow. right now. Holy fuck. That's a huge, Holy that's fuck. huge. That's that's, correct. that's, that's huge crazy. for them. That's, that's terrifying. Scary. That offense is stacked now. Holy shit. They so just need scary. an O-line a little bit, a little bit of bolster to it. It's not terrible. It's just not great. So I think that we should keep the, game talk to a minimum today at least we'll go back into it after this mock draft the what we're doing for everybody who's listening we are pretending that we all have an mba and a law degree and we're gms of a basketball organization or we played for 10 years and have uh some somehow developed a business acumen during that time and we're all 610 black guys who are now GMs of basketball organizations and so we're going to pretend that we are the GMs we are going to make the, the pick trades are on the table because there's some of these teams that I really don't anticipate keeping their picks and we're going to go in a in a pattern that's not snake style we're just going to go 1 to 4 1 to 4 1 to 4 1 to 4 we're going to go to the 16th pick so each of us gets 4 so that's what we're going to do. Now, first up here is Logan with the first pick. Now, yes, the first sir. pick in this draft is going to be selected by the Minnesota Timberwolves, the least exciting team in the entire NBA, the least relevant team in the entire NBA, the, the worst destination for anybody to go to, in my opinion, in the entire NBA, maybe with the exception of Salt Lake City if you like to party. And uh, they got the first pick because fuck the NBA and fuck the draft and fuck everything about the lottery and fuck Adam Silver. Uh, I, I take that back, but y- y- okay, I'm just going to shut up. Logan, you got the first pick. Who are you selecting? number one so with the first overall pick and obviously i think this is a really easy pick here just because the timberwolves have some good players and the fact that they have the number one pick is really great for this organization so you know with d'angelo russell at point guard and with cat at center they need that explosive shooting guard and i think it's very easy to say they're going to go with anthony edwards and you know he's the only things that he really has to improve is really his decision-making when he's in progress with the ball. He's still learning how to play both sides, but I'll tell you what. This guy has elite length. He's got elite explosiveness. He's tough to contain, especially in the transition game. And that's something that the Timberwolves never really had. They never really had a really big transition player who could run the floor and who D'Angelo Russell could feed the passes to. You know, Not very many athletic guys, and Cat can't run both sides of the court the entire game. He's not. He's, you know, He isn't Michael Jordan. So, and also he's a three level scorer and, you know, being a three level scorer in basketball is always so important because you could splash a pull up three, you can hit a mid range. And he has that, you know, Russell Westbrook esque strength to drive in. Look at six, three, two twenty five, Anthony Edwards is a big dude. And I, excuse me, he's not a big dude, but he can hold his own. And I'm definitely excited to see him in the NBA. So with the first pick in the NBA mock draft of NBA stories, the Minnesota Timberwolves are selecting Anthony Edwards, and that is not cap. Anthony Edwards should be on the net. Sold to the highest bidder. I agree. I think he's fantastic. I think that his ceiling comparison 
is Dwayne Wade. That's my opinion. I think that he plays a very similar style plus a little bit of strength. If you're going to go for a basement comparison for him, which is what I did uh, from the stadium, I would say he's probably like a Tyreek Evans. He can get a little shot happy, and he, he can tend to rely on his strength a little bit too much in transition. It's not going to be as prevalent on the highest level as it was in college. He also can take some bad shots. He needs to check that. But I think ultimately, offense and defense, this guy is ahead of the rest of that pack. And I think that he is the clear number one pick. So I agree with you there, Logan. Now, number two is me. And I have the Golden State Warriors the uh, loved and hated franchise of the tw- of the 2010s. This this is crazy. I cannot believe that a Golden State Warriors team who is about to come back next season with a healthy Steph, a healthy Clay, a healthy Andrew Wiggins, they have the second pick in the draft. And think Draymond. about that. Yeah. So and Draymond. I'm going to give you that for a second because with the second pick, the Golden State Warriors are going to trade to the Washington Wizards for Bradley Beal and a 2021 second round pick. So, Logan, you are going – you are the Wizards at nine, right? That's yours? Wow, no way. I think they're going to trade it too. I was already about to call it out before Nick – All right. There's no way they're keeping this. There's absolutely no way they're keeping this pick. There's no reason for them to keep this pick. They have so much much trade capital in this pick. They have – Guys, they could get James White. Right, but now they they have a they're not going to take him anyway even if they take somebody. They have the capital to take to trade. They also have a guy like Andrew Wiggins who's trade capital. They have Pascal who's now trade capital. They have a bunch of options here. And so for them, they don't need to start over. They're not a rebuilding franchise. They have all of their guys coming back next year. They are going to be a competitor in the West again. It's not over for them. So there's no reason for them to burn it all down, draft a high, a, a top pick. They might honestly, but I just don't see that being the case for them. I don't think this is enough to get them Giannis, but I definitely think it's enough to get them somebody who is not happy in his in his city as a Bradley Beal. So I think that they're going to trade this pick to the Washington Wizards for the Wizards' first pick and for and and they're also going to give them probably a 2021 first or second rounder. So with that being said, that means we're flipping picks there. Logan, you oh. have you are the Wizards at 9. So now you are going to okay. be the Wizards at 2 and I'm going to take the ninth pick. So who with the second pick, Logan, you're going to back to back here. With the second I, pick, well, this is- who are you going to take here? This is honestly this is such a fucking easy decision. I'm taking James Wiseman. I'm not taking LaMelo Ball. And I'll tell you why. Damn. I'll tell you why. I just don't see LaMelo's Ball's game translating as easy as everyone thinks. I, I listen, I get it. He's a shooter, but he's you know, he's a six foot seven point guard. I get it. But you need to stop sleeping on John Wall. Okay. There's plenty of guards in this draft. This isn't a very deep draft. You could always sit on a guard next year. James Weissman is a franchise center. And if you look at the Wizards lineup, their starting centers are Thomas Bryant, like Moritz Wagner, Davis Burton's. No, these aren't guys you want to start. You put James, you put James Wiseman in that lineup with Rui Hachimura, who's actually been, you know, he's been showing some steps. He's being, you know, he's he's, he's taking he's, he's a decent player. He can hold his own. Um, I really love James Wiseman. These these centers 
you don't, you know, don't cross your eye. And with a seven foot five wingspan, a gigantic standing reach, he can get up and down the floor and his explosiveness to the rim and power is just unseen. He's got a good skill set and he could he could start on the mid-range, he could end up in the paint. The only thing he needs to work on is his passing skills and awareness. He turns the ball over a lot and he can fa- and, he, and and he could foul. But those are three things that you could easily fix. So Nick, thank you for giving me that second pick. I know it costed me Bradley Beal, but I'm building for the future here. And I want James Wiseman to be my franchise center. So with the second pick traded from the Golden State Warriors, the Washington Wizards are selecting James Wiseman with the second overall. Agree pick. with that pick. I just, I just want to agree say, with it though. I just wanted to say, now that I just think about it, like, holy shit! Can you imagine a Warriors team with Steph Curry, Bradley Beal, and Clay Thompson just jacking up? I think it's very play? possible. Ridiculous. I think we might have to pay attention to it because I think that he is one of the most gettable trade assets in the market this year because Giannis, let's get honest about this. I just don't see a lot of teams having enough to actually offer a trade to, to Milwaukee that they're going to take for Giannis. He's going to Miami in 2020. We'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens. I don't think he's moving this year. I think that he's might, he might move next year when it's, when his when his uh, when his contracts up, but this year it's probably going to be still in Milwaukee. So yeah, I think so. that was. A- but I wanted to ask though: Do you think if they do get Bradley Beal, they become the favorites in the West? I think they're the favorites in the West without Bradley Beal. I really think that people are sleeping on this team a lot. It's crazy to me to think about it. Think about what this team is when they get back: a healthy Steph Curry, a healthy Clay Thompson, Draymond Green with a healthy Steph Steph Curry and a healthy Clay Thompson back. So he is now back in his comfort zone. You still have Eric Pascal. You now have Andrew Wiggins. These are this is a solid solid lineup. That's one to five right there. I mean, that's a hard team to compete with. You have you have Steve Kerr running that team the way that he is a master at doing. I just Steph's only thirty one. He he just turned thirty one. Clay Thompson is thirty years old. Draymond's thirty years old. Andrew Wiggins twenty five. Pascal's a rookie. And not saying that it's, that you're doing that, Ben. It's just a lot of people are just they wrote them off forever. And I'm I'm thinking to myself that's insane. That's absolutely insane. There's no way this team isn't coming back next year. So we'll see. And especially if they get another player in, in the form of like a Bradley Beal or somebody of a lesser of a lesser amount, you know. You know, let's I don't think that it's impossible to say that Devin Booker's not on the market. Honestly. Eight games in a bubble, they won eight. No, okay, cool, but still let's Well, I got one for you. Okay. I got one for you, Nick. Mr. Mark. Nick, what are the odds that a team like we talked about it earlier? The Minnesota Timberwolves, in that number one spot, have a lot of trade pieces right now. Everyone's saying Carl Anthony Towns is out of there. There's no way they're hanging on him. They have really bad locker room vibes all around. A guy that they traded for in in D'Angelo Russell in the Andrew Wiggins deal, he's most likely not staying there. They've already traded with the Warriors before. Is there any way that Carl Anthony Towns could somehow oh. draw interest from the Warriors no. as the big wow. and could 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 you see the Timberwolves having the first wow. and second overall pick rebuilding their entire team in one draft with a guy like Anthony Edwards and why don't you give him James Wiseman while you're at it? I think it's wow. very possible. I don't think I don't think that, that any of these out of the question. But here's thing. the thing about this draft: I don't think any of these draft pieces are rebuild guys. 
I think literally no, not. one to fourteen in the lottery are high level starters or potential all star once in a while. Uh, actually, you know what, Nick? Nick, I'm going to challenge you on that. I would a hundred and ten percent build a team around James Weissman or Obi Toppin. Well, I mean, and we could talk about Obi because he's got a lot of upside, but he also has a, a pretty low low basement as to what he might be depending on what his work ethic is. I really like your your take on Wiseman. I do think that he is a high-level talent. The man gallops in transition. Gallops. Runs like a deer. He's amazing. It's an amazing thing to watch. You know, He's got a great mid-ranger. He's got an okay three-point shot. The issue with him is that we didn't get to watch him all that much because fuck the NCAA. We don't really get to. We don't. We don't have a. We don't have a good sample size on, on James Wiseman. They took it from us. So that's a big thing about him. Where it's like I wish we had more, but we we just we cannot know. You know. So that's the big and thing about it was him. Right I would say conference play too. Correct. So the thing is, you we know, saw him play against a bunch of bum ass shitty teams. teams, which is fine. I mean, if you're dominating, you're dominating. I think that it's got. It, it has to be said that Division One talent is Division One talent, and anything on camera. <laughs> Against a team like that is it, it has to be noted for for the record, right? But the issue with him is that his problem a lot of times is the motor, and that was a problem in high school. So if that's a problem in high school, and we didn't get to see if it was going to be a problem in college, we don't know if it's gotten better. And if you don't get better as a seven foot one guy who runs in transition, you have a very very high risk of turning into a Hassan Whiteside. My ceiling comparison for James Wiseman is someone like Jermaine O'Neal. That's who I see him turning into. Get a consistent. He was actually a really good player back in like the 08. Of course, well like oh four. Like Twenty and ten a game. Right. He was he was averaging twenty five and ten before the brawl. Right, so that that's the kind of talent. When we were talking about Jermaine O'Neal in 2005, we were talking about Jermaine O'Neal in the same kind of conversation that we were talking about Shaquille O'Neal, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett. He was on that highest level, upper echelon of big men. I think that James Wiseman has the same kind of skill set. He's a newer age player, of course. He runs faster in transition. He's got a little bit better of a jump shot because that wasn't really taught back then the same way. But I think the way that they play is very similar. I think that his basement is Hassan Whiteside, and I think that he has a high risk of turning into that if he doesn't work the way that he needs to work. So we'll see what happens with James Wiseman. I do like him. I think that you can build around him, but there's a lot of of questions to be answered still with him. So I can't I can't burn it all down for James Wiseman yet. I'll draft him for sure. I'll draft him super high, but I'm not burning it down for him yet. Listen, I'm just coming from the perspective of the Washington with the Wizards. I don't know why I blanked on their name. If the Wizards and the Golden State Warriors make a trade, which I really like that idea, they 100% need to take James. Well, yeah, I mean they need a lot of help, so that's probably where it would start. So next up is Mark. Been relatively quiet this whole time. You got the Charlotte Hornets at three. Who also need a fucking lot of help. And honestly, they could have probably used a big man like Wiseman, but he's already off of the table here. So at three, Mark, who who are you going to take with a third pick? Now, I'm not so sure they need as much help as we think. I think there's a lot of talent on this roster. And you know what? James Wiseman was the easy pick. You, uh, Logan stole him right out from under me, respectably, with the Wizards. But I, hell no, I'm not taking Mellow Ball. You guys know I'm a hater on Thank the whole you, family. Mark. And I don't, Thank you. I think Thank there's, you. I think there's no doubt he's falling in this draft. But keep in mind that a team like if, – if he falls to three with the Hornets, they already invested a lot of money in the guard position with Rozier. 
Rozier is still young. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's shown flashes. He's only 26 years old. They spent a lot of money on him in the offseason. I don't think they're just suddenly going to draft a point guard here. Devontae Graham was quietly a front runner for rookie of the year in any other season. I mean, if he was going against Michael Carter Williams' class, you have the rookie I agree. of the year. I think, I I mean, think that we're he's, talking about he's their guy now. I think he's slowly becoming their guy that they're going to want to start to put pieces around because he is a he is a top level bucket getter in the NBA at this t- at this point right now. Exactly, and th- I mean they have good wing players too. I'm a big big fan of Miles Bridges. He does not get enough credit, and PJ Washington is pretty solid too. But uh, I got to go. I think at at the four spot or sorry three spot here. It's pretty obvious you have to go Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin. Love it. There is no stopping Obi Toppin. He is going to be one of the better two-way players in this class, in my opinion. I really am a fan. He's an athletic freak. I mean, his college numbers, this is a guy that I think was going to excel in the tournament. I think Marky. he was. his stock was going to go through the roof into a top two pick maybe had – that Dayton team made it and been able to make a run in the tournament. I'm a really big fan of his. I think this is a guy that only showed a teeny bit of his potential this year. This is somebody that on the offensive end can do everything you ask him to do. He's got a three-point shot for his size. A 6'9", 220-pound guy who has a three ball that is phenomenal. He can drive to the hoop. He can posterize just about anybody in this league. And I just think he's somebody that's going to be at the top, if not the leading scorer in this class this season. I truly believe that. He's one of the best two-way players, and especially on the offensive side of the ball. Obi Toppin would be just the piece that this Charlotte team needs. Just out of curiosity, is anyone else on the fuck the mellow ball train besides me and Mark? No, I like him. I like him. I think he's got a lot lot of work to do. I just don't know if, if if, if that trade happens at two with Golden State, I don't see him going to... Who I mean, if they trade to somebody who takes him, then yes. But I don't. I don't see anybody for the next couple of picks necessarily needing somebody like him. I think Lamelo Ball's got a lot of upside, and I think when we get to that point, I I think we'll see that upside starting to take place. But we're starting to get to a point in this particular draft where it has to be best available because there's not a whole lot of like excelling talent left. At the same time, going back to your pick, Mark, I love Obi Toppin. I think he's got a super high upside, but I also think that he has a lot of bust potential also. And it really has a lot to do with how he translates. His translation is going to be reliant on, one, again, his work ethic, which is very high, clearly. He improved at absolutely everything this year from last year. It's been an incredible thing to watch. I watched him in the, in the, uh, in the Maui Classic against uh, Kansas and he was just bodying Kansas players like who the fuck is this guy and they had no idea who he was and that he really showed them who he was he brought a Dayton team who before this had really never I mean they've seen prominence in the 70s and 80s sometimes but he brought them to the number two in the nation four in the nation you know there's a lot there's a lot to be said about somebody who's able to do something like that with a team who is really a mid-major who doesn't get a lot of of attention. It's the reason why Cole Anthony dropped is that he was at a UNC program and they sucked. It doesn't matter how they sucked so bad. Yeah, they sucked so bad. They, they sucked so they sucked so bad. Jim Beheim, not Jim Beheim. Uh fuck. Uh, Roy Williams. Williams. Roy Williams, yeah, not Jim Beheim. Roy Williams. Roy Williams straight up said, "This is the least talent this is the least talented basketball team I've had since I've coached here." 
Yeah. Well, they were. They had a lot of injuries and stuff. But I wanted to say, though, like, they didn't, they did have a really nice run. I forget what year it was, but they made the Elite Eight and lost to UF. I think it was early 2010s when Archie Miller was the right. coach. So they've that they've had teams, that, but, but it's it's just like in the regular season, you never see a Dayton team that's like 26 and one and they're like the number five team in the nation. Yeah, that's no, never happened sure. before. And that's 100%. They were, they were in the. They were in the first four that year. And that was... And they made from first four to almost final Right, four. And, and that that this year was about 70% Obi Toppin because of his con- contributions. Well, yeah. I got. I, got I think they would have made the final four if March Madness happened. I got a question for you guys because I think Obi Toppin is a very like unique player. I don't think we've seen a lot in recent years that's like him. And I, I read in, in Nick's article, trying to find a comparison, I know you mentioned Amari Stoudemire, Hakeem Warwick as a baseman. But I really liked you bringing up Blake Griffin because he. This is a guy who we saw in the college, the short college season. This is a guy who is known for making poster dunks. And don't forget that Blake Griffin, the past couple of years, has really worked on his jump shot and become a great three point shooter. I see him almost as a Blake Griffin, Aaron Gordon type player. You can also, I think he you has can also throw to in a little bit of like a Sean Marion like because of his perimeter defense too. He's got a little bit of that aspect going on. I think that he doesn't have the quite the strength of Blake Griffin. I think that he is a little bit slippier, slip slipperier than Blake Griffin, which is why I talked more about Amari, where it's like he is a pick and roll kind of player, right? Pick and roll, explode to the basket from about the free throw line, shoot a mid-ranger. His problem is that he doesn't necessarily have a lot of post moves yet. And he he definitely needs those at least from about 10 to 15 feet away from the basket in order to be a top-level talent, which is why I say his basement, whereas his ceiling for me is Amari Stoudemire. And I think if anybody who can be an Amari Stoudemire is definitely good in my book. If But his basement definitely is like a Stromile Swift, Akeem Work type because it's just... If he doesn't build and if he doesn't utilize his strength appropriately, he's going to get eaten up in the NBA and it's going to be pretty quick and pretty rapid because that's that's mainly the, the biggest thing that's getting people to, to draft him early. So that's so that's Obi well, Toppin. So didn't, didn't this guy hit a fucking East Bay in a game? Yes, he did. That's fucking He's a beast. Crazy. He's a beast. Don't get me wrong. Like the guy, I want to see him in the dunk contest. He'll like, be in it. He'll be in it soon. I'm sure he'll be in it like second year, maybe even first. Oh, he hit an East Bay in a game? Yeah. In a dunk contest, he's gonna do something ridiculous. Like now, Ben, Ben, you're up next, fourth pick. You are the Chicago Bulls with a resurging Kobe White and a fired Boylan, and you are a resurging Kobe White and a resurging, resurging. Kobe. Just surging first of all, I'm for the so first time. Glad they, I'm so glad they fired Boylan because yeah, he, he, he he was, he was terrible, the worst. and like the players hated him too. Like, did they hire someone yet or? I know they got the guy from the Nuggets to run the front office. I don't office, think so. I think they're still looking. I don't think so either. But uh, if I'm, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, the guy from the Nuggets. I'm the Bulls GM here. I'm kind of shocked that LaMelo's still on the board because I thought when the Warriors traded the pick that the Wizards or whoever traded up, it was the Wizards, but I thought they were going to go for LaMelo. I feel like LaMelo has the most upside not the right fit wasn't the right fit obviously not the right i mean i feel you can play two guards like that next to each other but even though the fit kind of looks iffy in chicago because you got kobe white who was on a tear to end the year 
I loved watching him play out of UNC, and I think he's got a really bright future in the league. He's just so fucking fast, like so fast. When he just it's like De'Aaron Fox. When he's in transition, I, yeah, he's like De'Aaron Fox. Like, it's like I'm watching a blur. Zach Levine's obviously turned into a really fucking good scorer, but I feel like if I'm the Bulls, there's just so many holes in that team that I can, I can't pick off need, especially when I'm a new GM, and I'm just my job is to revamp this team. So I'm gonna go with Lamelo Ball. Ugh. Just because I think he's the best player available. I mean, at Such first I was really game. skeptical on guys that were coming out of Europe until I saw Luka Doncic, and it kind of realized, like, holy shit, like, these guys that go overseas, they're playing against better competition than these guys playing college. Yeah, Luka's Luke different. He's not the guy to look at for that, though. Luca's different. Luca's he was like a golden child from the time he was fifteen. Like he was. Oh yeah. You know I mean, well, like it was I'm tough. not. I'm not saying he's Luca, but I feel like guys that go overseas, especially that Australian league, there's some pretty good talent there. I think that they have an advantage, and I think it prepares them more for NBA basketball. And I feel like Lamelo, he's been around the atmosphere. He's been around his brother, so I feel like he's gonna have more of a seamless transition to the NBA. And he's talented, you know. He just needs to fix his, I mean, his shot's inconsistent, and obviously he takes some pretty bad shots, but the playmaking's there. He's a big guard who can rebound. I think he contributed in a lot of different spots, and I just think he's the best guy available, and if I'm the Bulls, I'm taking LaMelo if he's available, and I'm looking to shop Zach Levine and get more assets to really rebuild this team. I think that LaMelo Ball is somebody who is, his upside is a little bit limited mainly based on his size, honestly. I don't think that he's got a, quite the amount of athleticism or the quickness to be an absolute beast in terms of just a, a, a penetrating point guard. He's good at it. He's, he's definitely got the experience to have talent in the NBA and to be able to produce. He's put up triple doubles in the Australian League with guys on his team like Aaron Brooks, who was a 20-point scorer in the NBA. So he's been playing against professionals exactly. for a while. so much... like. I feel like he's just playing against better talent. Yeah, he's gonna help and he has. And, and I, I think a, a good comparison for somebody like LaMelo Ball at his, the, the, the top level is going to be like a pre-injury Sean Livingston. If you remember Sean Livingston, before he got hurt, this guy was going to be an all-star perennially for the Clippers. And then he you know tore everything in his leg, came back, was able to be a contributor for the Warriors for some championships. But before he got hurt, he was looked at as being one of the next best things. And I think that that's going to be what we're seeing with LaMelo. He has a great eye for the court at a very young age. And just like his brother, he has the ability to do that. Now, the issue with him, can he start? to shoot the ball more consistently can he fix his jumper i know we've talked about this before that jumper needs to change because nba defenders are going to block that jumper from his chest that's where he's shooting it from i don't care how fast he gets it out guys are going to know when it's going up they're going to be able to get it out of his hands it's going to be a problem when he gets to that level so can he fix that jumper and get his percentages up from the three-point line he averaged about 26 percent from three in australia not good enough for the nba but we'll see if he's able to do it i think a low level a, a, a low level basement comparison for him would be somebody like michael carter williams if he's not able to get it done he's going to be like an mcw where he's able to get steals sometimes he'll get a couple passes and he'll maybe average six assists a game but at the end of the day he's not going to be a factor and he's not going to be somebody that we're really looking at as a threat so he has the capability of being a very high level point guard very consistent point guard the question is 
Can he get past himself and kind of get over himself and start to get that work ethic down and recognize that he is not the best player that he's playing with anymore, not even close, or is he going to turn into his fucking brother? Who knows? So His brother's fucking awful. He's awful. Like, he's he he's going to stay awful. Like, I think he's wildly overrated. Everyone needs to shit on Lonzo just because he was so hyped up, and I tried to defend him for so long. I hate the ball family. But I do too. But I just think LaMelo's got the best chance out of all of them to – Oh, he absolutely. He's the best out of everybody. He's the best out of all of us. Listen, listen, my my uh, co-host Mark says a says a lot of funky things sometimes, especially about Kobe Bryant. But we're not going to go there. But I have never agreed more with Mark when I say I fucking hate the Ball family. This is the most toxic thing you could do to your organization. They are so toxic. I could not agree more. And you know what? Credit. To Lonzo because he has distanced himself from that family, and you know, it, for a minute there, it looked like in New Orleans he was going to be out of the limelight, away from his dad. He literally, more or less, told Lavar to fuck off, and it looked like things were turning around. And I, at this point, I just think he, he's too tarnished from what the league's done to him. But I, I agree with you, Logan. I just don't think if I'm a franchise, I'm willing to take on that problem. This guy, Mello, just screams attention whore. And I think he's going to be like that for the entirety of his career. That's not somebody I personally want on my team. But we all know, if we're looking at a mock draft, though, Mark, just saying, like, he's going to get taken in the the top five. Talent-wise, he is a top five talent. So you have to be able to – you have to take it with what what you know you're getting. And when you draft the guy, you got to say, this is what it is. This is going to be your role. You're not going to get a better role anywhere. We took you. We're going to pay you. This is what the fuck you're going to be doing. I mean, we'll see how it works out. I agree with you, Nick, but I think this is, and this exactly goes to why you said that the Warriors should trade that pick and not take Melo because it, that type of personality has to fit a certain team. It's not all that different from Trey Young fitting with the Hawks in a fresh start team. He cannot fit into a warrior scheme that is already a very much built roster a lot of guys who know how to play with each other i do not think that's the right fit at all i think he needs to sort of have his own team in a way yeah i mean it's going to be tough for him to find that in this draft i don't think that he's he's going to be he's not a restart kind of guy he's not a build around kind of guy at least yet we got to see you know I really, really like Melo's game. I really, I'm, I'm sold on his game from what I, the tape that I've seen on him. Not the scoring. His scoring is good. It's relatively consistent. He can put up 40 in a game against pretty high level talent in Australia. But what it really gets me is just his ability to find the open guy. That's, I mean, that's hard to find in a point guard. If you're, if you're gonna find a guy who is able to do that at a consistent level, then you might find yourself an Andre Miller and have a point guard for the next 12 years who's going to be a, a game manager and never make a mistake. And, and that's why I like the fit with Chicago, who I made the pick for, because I feel like having that playmaking ability on the court will allow Kobe White to really focus on ball. being a penetrating yeah. point guard, a scorer, a slasher, which... That's what he's good at, you know. He's good at getting to the fucking rim. I didn't mean to, I don't mean to interrupt, but we have a little uh, breaking news. Yeah, uh, that, the heat, Miami, that Heat game, bro. The Miami Heat hit two free throws with zero seconds left on the clock to beat the Bucks one sixteen to one forty five. Our playoff. I've been saying that. Wow. Heat and five. Heat and five, bro. Heat and five. Right, 
Bucks are what, fucking overrated. What just happened wow. too? The, the the Heat just nearly blew blew that entire game though. They had a huge lead. Fucking Jimmy Butler fouled someone. Middleton on a three point shot after a turnover. They literally gave up like six points. Yeah, but you got to know that a team seconds. a team like the Bucks is coming roaring back. They're a one seed. They're gonna be. They're but gonna do that. They, the they won on two free throws on the the last second shot. They called a foul on the last shot of the game. Fuck it, they sucked the life out of them. That's two zero. You know what I mean? Crazy. A win's a win. Crazy, Fuck it. Yeah. You know they got exactly. that W. Number five, Cleveland Cavaliers. Logan, you're back up with the Cavs. Who are you taking at the All fifth? All right. Day? All right. So the Cavs are a little interesting because they're a team that you know they have. They have some veteran leadership, right? You know, you have Tristan, you have Andre Drummond, you have Kevin Love, you have Colin Sexton, who I love. You have a young Darius Garland. You have Jordan Bell from, you know, we got from the Warriors. You know, call me crazy, but oh shit, Obi Toppin got taken, didn't he? Yeah, we had a a long-ass conversation about this. (laughs) Well, in that case, I'm going to have to take... My favorite guy, whose name I still do not know how to pronounce, Onyeka Onkongu. That was really good. That was actually right. No, you got it. Okongu. Without the end. Okongu. The 6'9", 245-pound center coming out of USC. Now, I know he's a 6'9 center, but small ball works sometimes. And these old guys are all the big guys. And they're not getting any younger. And I think to have Onyeka Ungangu, I love that name. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying it. I think to have him, you know, in the shadows of Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson and Andre Drummond, I feel like he could develop some really good skills. Now, you know, he he's not a traditional center, but neither is Kevin Love now. He's got a very soft touch mid-range, which I think is super important in the NBA. Now, you know, being a mid-range shooter, 72% from the free throw line which is really impressive for a center. Really, the only things you just need to work on is his long-range game and, you know, defensively, is he really a center at six foot nine? I say I say yes. I think it's very possible. Uh, this is a really risky pick, but I think looking at the board, I just I, – I don't want to take Denny from Israel because he's a small forward. He's too small. So, yeah. And to be honest with you, a lot of these other players are just ranked too low for me to take them. So I'm going to have to go with – Onyeka Ungangu from USC. Dude, don't ever announce a draft pick, please, for the love of God. You're going to get shit on by every fucking sports show. <laughs> Onyeka Ungangu out of USC, 6'9", power forward center. I like him because he reminds me a lot of Montrez Harrell. He is a high-motor guy. He is an effort guy. He works the shit out of every player he plays against. No, he's not going to block 12 shots a game. No, he's probably not going to get you uh, you know, a bunch, of, a bunch of boards. Like He'll probably get you about 10 to 12 at the most, and he's definitely not going to get you 30 points. Not yet, at least. He's very raw offensively. But what he's going to give you right away is a high work ethic and the ability to learn. And he's got people to learn from on that Cavs team now does he he's got his rebound 
teacher and Andre Drummond, the best in the in the business. Kevin Love to teach him kind of the finesse aspect of of the down low game. So I I like that pick for the Cavaliers. I don't think that he's going to change the outlook of their next season, of course. But I think that he is definitely somebody who they could build around. They could get some pieces around and definitely not take another fucking guard because they've taken one for the past like five years. <laughs> so that's that's who I think you should take. That was a good pick. And I, you know, who he kind of reminds me of. I see a little bit of Bam Adebayo in his. I game. was gonna say Bam. His his game reminds me of a mixture between Montrez and Bam. If if he he's not really the score like Bam has some moments where he's able to score at a high level. Montrez really is he he does also, but I think that I think he reminds me a little bit more of Montrez just because of his size. He's a little bit of a bigger guy. And uh, and he's definitely not as good of a perimeter defender. Like Bam can guard a three, you know. He's not going to be guarding a three for you. So that's that's the difference between him and Bam. The ceiling for this guy is Montrez. Montrez right now is somebody who you know very very esteemed player, and I think that he has the capability of being like this. I think the basement, if he doesn't develop his offensive game, is going to turn into somebody like a Bismack Biombo where he's just not able to get you more than 10 points a game at the most, you know, maybe get you eight boards and two blocks. So if, if he doesn't develop, that's what he turns into. If he does develop, we're seeing a Montrez hair, a lot of them, very impressive talent coming out of USC. Definitely not a, a program that we really look at too much to produce that kind of high level. We saw it with Kevin Porter. We see it with some other guys, but honestly it's not a place that's, that's pumping him out every single year. So I like Okongwu at that pick and I have the six. Yeah. <laughs> so at six, we have the Atlanta Hawks. And that's me. I'm going to be drafting for the Atlanta Hawks. And I think that there's really only one name that makes sense at this pick. And I'm glad you didn't take him at five. And that's Denny Avdija out of Israel. You know, the Hawks have developed a core right now of a lot of elite level shooters. They space the floor better than probably most teams in the NBA at the, at the time right now. They have their star. They have a wing. They have their other wing right now in Cam Reddish, who I believe is going to be one of the best wings in the NBA in the next five seasons. They have John Collins, if he can stay on the court. And then they also, of course, now have, uh, they also have Clint Capella now at five. So that's obviously a trade piece if they, if they want to use it as a trade piece. But they also have John Collins now running at four. They have a lot of pieces here and if you get Denny Avdija coming off of the bench for you when you have these guys on the court right now this is a change of pace guy who can come in for Kevin Herter come in for Cam Reddish can start and then Cam Reddish comes off the bench whatever you want to do with him he's a great shooter for his size he's six foot nine as a three perfect for the NBA today this is exactly what you want in the NBA today like a Peja Stojakovic, except a little bit of a lower level. So I would say as a ceiling comparison for him, we're looking at like a Hito Turkoglu kind of type player. And if he doesn't pan out the way that we think he's going to pan out, then he's going to be looking like an Omri Caspi. So if you remember Omri Caspi, I mean, it's not bad. It's it's not a bad comparison even at that level. He he had some good solid seasons, but it's just not something that's la- that's got staying power. He has staying power. He just needs to learn certain aspects. He's only two hundred and ten pounds at six foot nine. He's got to bulk up. He's got to get a little bit bigger. He gets bullied in the Israeli game. He gets bullied where he's in, without being in the NBA. So imagine what's going to happen if he tries to penetrate in an NBA game. It's not going to work out. So he needs to figure that part out. He needs to get he needs to get bigger. He needs to get a little bit quicker on defense, move his feet a little bit better. He needs to try a little bit harder off of the ball. He needs to make sure that he's getting to the right spots, get his footwork down to get his three-point shot off 
fast and on time and be that guy that they need to be a spot up and also somebody who can develop into a low uh, to, to a post game turnaround guy from 15 to 18 feet out from the basket. So I think, I think that Denny Avdija out of Israel is a great pick for them at six. I think that it's a good spot for him. I think that if he goes a little higher, it might be a little bit of a reach for someone to take him before this, but that's who I would say would be a good pick for the Hawks at six. Now, Mark, you have the Pistons, and I am sorry because that is a shitty franchise, and they are the seventh pick in this draft, and there's honestly a couple good pieces on the table still for them. So with the seventh pick here, Mark, who who would you be taking with this? Dude, tell me about it. I Honestly, after every team that we have named so far, I mean, luckily we haven't gotten to the Knicks yet because they would be ahead of the Pistons. The Pistons might be in the worst shape of any of these teams. They actually are just – I don't see one piece on this roster as opposed to the last team that I picked for, the Hornets, where I actually see a lot of pieces. I don't know that there's one guy on this Pistons roster that is going to be on the team when they eventually turn it around. And no, don't give me Luke Kennard. I'm not a fan. <laughs> uh, I think Derrick Rose, the one thing that they have going for them is Derrick Rose is the guy who could show a young player the ropes. Oh, Blake. And, you know, I – I would have been really tempted to take Avdija with this pick because of the offensive upside. But luckily, you took him off the board, so it makes this pick really easy for me. I'm going the exact route that Nick went in his mock draft, and I think Killian Hayes is the pick. Two foreign guys off the board in a row, point guard out of France. I think this makes a lot of sense because the franchise is in such bad shape right now, and they're going to lose Blake Griffin soon. I think you have to go with a project here, a guy who has high upside. We talked about this draft a lot already. There are very few players that have the upside to be a star in this league. A lot of these guys are going to be role players. Killian Hayes is a guy that is a long-term pick. You're hoping he turns out down the line and becomes more and builds his offensive game. I think that this is something that could really work out for the Pistons because they have Derrick Rose to mentor him. At some point, I think the Pistons just need to give up on this idea of our roster could be good enough to be a 7 or an 8 seed. That never works out. You never want to be game planning for that type of thing. The Sixers did it for how many years with Drew Holiday, Andre Iguodala, Andre Miller. It's not that great. You're barely ever going to even win one round of basketball games. So I just think that the Pistons have to give in. They got to go for the rebuild. And, you know, they're in a tough spot with the seventh pick, but Killian Hayes is has the most upside out of all the guys left on the board, if he, in my if opinion. If he falls to that, that's a great a that's a steal for them because he should. he's a top-five talent in this draft. I think Killian Hayes, he's 6'5". He, you know, he's got really decent defense. He's got quick feet on defense. He's got a great eye on offense. The guy gets – he gets good steals on defense too. Like, he's able – to work on that side. That's where his that's where the potential really comes from from him. Is the ability to guard 1 to 3. Cuz he's 6-5, he's able to get a, a lot of a lot done on defense. On offense, the real benefit for him is again, like I said, he's not the most athletic guy in the world, but he is able to get to the basket. He's able to penetrate and he's able to use his size better than a lot of guys his age. So that's something that really needs to be said about somebody like that. Of course, he's been playing in France, so he's not playing against the highest of talent in France, but at the same time, he is still going to 
be one of the better players in this draft. He, I would say his high-level ceiling comparison, at least as it looks like right now, is somebody like a Spencer Dinwiddie where he is going to be able to really utilize that size to see over defenders. I think that's a big thing about tall point guards. They can see over their defender, see what's happening around the court, and get the ball to the right guy. And he's able to do that at a really good level for somebody who is one of the youngest guys in this draft. He honestly just turned, I think, 19 like a couple few months ago. So he's, he's definitely not the oldest guy here, obviously. So he's a young guy who's got a lot of development to do. Point guard in Detroit is going to be listening to somebody like Derrick Rose, who has just the gifts that this guy does not have, but also has a lot of the tools that he can learn. So that's a really great pick for the Pistons at seven. Honestly, I really don't see him falling that quite that far, but I think if he does, then anybody who can grab him at that point really should snag him up. Now at number eight, Ben, be fucking careful with this one, okay? Because if you fuck up again then you're going to get tarred and feathered just like James Dolan. You have the New York Knicks at eight. So who are you going to take with this pick? Well, I just want to say if, jo- if James Dolan ever does die, it wasn't Nick. It wasn't me. Because it's going to be. I sh- I'll fucking, it yeah, they'll him. fucking interview me for sure. <laughs> oh, 100%. But if I'm the Knicks, honestly, I think they're just so fucking unlucky that Two teams jumped them, not just one. Two teams jumped them in this lottery, and they're stuck with eight in a weak class. So, Fuck this. So what I'm doing, I'm going to bring some excitement to Knicks fans here. I am blowing up the 76ers phone, and I'm trading this pick, Ooh. RJ Barrett and Kevin Knox for Ben Simmons. Wow. <laughs> they no. need a star to nah, rebuild. Trade him to the Raptors for Vliet. Come on, bro. No, do a sign-in trade for Fred Van Vliet. Get realistic. Nah, man. I'm telling you, I think Simmons just needs to get out of Philadelphia. I don't. New think York is not play. a better scenario for him at but, all. It's not. <laughs> but I feel like the team's going to rebuild, be built around him. In Philadelphia, I feel like it's kind of clear that Embiid is the best player on that team. Ben, 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 Ben. I don't know how many fucking times I could say this. You cannot build a team around someone who can't shoot the fucking ball. It doesn't work. But you can That's surround a- him with shooters. If you have Ben yeah, Simmons guess, and four shooters I, around him. I Yeah, I disagree too because Giannis has proven that. I mean, the Giannis Bucks. I'm not saying. Giannis shoots not more than Ben Simmons. I, I, to some extent, but Giannis is a very similar build. The difference is the Sixers don't have a Chris Middleton. The Sixers don't really have uh I mean they have a big that can somewhat shoot but Brooks Lopez is actually a great fucking shooter yeah. I just I, I don't know I think Giannis has proven that it's just a difference of no one has won a championship yet with it I think that if they get rid of RJ this soon it's gonna be a it's gonna be a problem in New York as well because it's only been one year he's been playing about 35 minutes a game in his rookie season average about 14 a game played actually relatively well didn't shoot the best but he's a rookie oh, I know he did but I feel like that's the only way that the Sixers would accept that trade. I think they'll I, our, no, because I think they would take Mitchell Robinson instead. I think that but do they want another big guy? I think that they could play that's four been or five. Problem. I think that Mitchell Robinson is the best player on that team right now. Hundred percent. But here's how I look at this R.J. Barrett thing, Nick. I'm glad you brought that up. You know, last year's draft, no matter how good R.J. Barrett plays, like unless he had one rookie of the year. The draft, 
that RJ RJ Barrett had, it will never be remembered as the draft when the Knicks got RJ Barrett. It's going to be remembered as the draft when the Knicks didn't get Zion Williamson. And well, it depends on how good he gets. Or John Morant. Or John Morant. It depends on how good he gets. And you know what? I hate to burst all your bubbles, but I'll tell you right now, just as no, a Sixers fan, yeah, they they right? fan, dude, there is no scenario possible that the Sixers would trade with the Knicks right now because, like, there's no one on the Knicks roster that fits what the Sixers are trying to do right now, and they can't possibly start to rebuild again because Embiid, we all know he's got injury issues. He's a big guy. His prime is only going to be so long. They're in the market. If they trade Ben Simmons, they need a star back that is equal level and can shoot the ball. Like a Devin Booker, I think, is the only realistic trade option. And that makes a lot of sense for um, Phoenix as well. I think we could agree that that could be a possible fit. So, Ben, like 95% of trades in NBA 2K career mode, it's been declined. Knicks are on the clock. Who you taking? All right. Since my trade was declined, which I don't know, man. I, I like that deal, but okay. It was a pretty I'm shitty gonna, deal. <laughs> bro, the Knicks need a star. Yeah, but they the, the Sixers don't need them. anybody from the Knicks, bro. Nobody needs anybody from the fucking Knicks. I don't think the Sixers need a start over, but I feel like they need to rebuild that team around They need to fire Brett Brown, which they did. They did. That's a good start. But, all right, I'm on the clock for the Knicks, so I'm going to go with Isaac Okoro here. Okay. All right. And that's because I feel like, you know, he's a guy that you know what you're going to get from him. He's a great defender. He's really athletic. And, you know, he wasn't even that highly touted coming out of high school, and now he's a top 10 prospect. So you see that work ethic. I mean, what's who's the coach at Tennessee? Not Tennessee, Auburn. Bruce Pearl. That's why he thought Tennessee because yeah, he Bruce, used to be Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, Bruce Pearl. I mean, Bruce Pearl came out and said he's one of the hardest working kids he's coached. And I feel like a guy like that, with NBA coaching, you can teach him a jump shot. You can teach him build an offensive game. That's how Kawhi was came, coming out of San Diego State. You know, I'm not making the Kawhi comparison, but you know, that's how that's how he was. You know, he wasn't a really he's raw offensively. His thing was he'll be really good if he can develop an offensive game. So I feel like he's a low floor, no, high floor, high ceiling kind of guy, which I feel like with the Knicks, you just can't fuck up. And there's so many holes in that team. You just need to get the best player available. And I think that's him. And he is raw enough that he can develop into an all-star type of player. I love Isaac Coro. I love that pick. I think that he's so talented. I think, you know, with NBA guys coming in as defensive players, it works out so much more than it doesn't work out because at the very least you got a defensive player. You got a Marcus Smart. Hey, no coach no coach is going to say no to that. Right. Like every coach wants a guy that you can put on the court and guard the other team's best player. You know, when I my comparison for him is somebody like a Marcus Smart just taller, you know, Marcus Smart of course being like 6'3", more of a point guard. 
I think Okoro is the same type of defensive mindset. He's scrappy. If he gets his offensive game under control and starts to understand the finer things on the offensive side, he could even develop into somebody like a Karan Butler and be a and be a, a twenty point per game guy potentially. That's the kind. He's an athlete. He's very strong. He's able. If he's able to start to use it, he's gonna. He's definitely gonna have that kind of capability. His basement comparison, I think, can be a little bit low, and that's going to really go about the fact that he's not the quickest guy on the court. He's definitely a scrappy defender, but he's definitely not the quickest defender on the court. So if he can work on that consistently, he's definitely got a shot. If he doesn't, he's going to turn to somebody like Damari Carroll. So, you know, that's... Well, I mean, Damari Carroll had some decent years. Sure, like but that's, Demary you know, it's Carroll, not, who, I mean, it's not what you're trying to draft at, yeah, not, not at eight. Yeah, you know? exactly. That's not who you're drafting if you're the Knicks. It's but not it's who you not want. it's not a horrible basement either. No, no, I mean, but that's, but that's the Knicks, the Knicks are drafting for, for talent at this point, and they need talent, and if they need to find someone who's got that talent, I think Okoro's the good pick there. I think they, they definitely need a point guard, so I think they, they're going to be really looking at Fred Van Vliet pretty hard this offseason, so we'll see what happens there. But um, yeah, I, I like that pick. I think that's a good pick, and I, I don't I don't think anybody. I mean, they'll boo him just because you know he's not any. They've never heard of him, but like they'll they'll be fucking yeah. wrong. So whatever. Anyway, so at nine was the Wizards, but we traded. So I'm gonna be drafting nine now instead of Logan. And so the Golden State Warriors have the ninth pick, and I am going to take out of Vanderbilt, Mr. Aaron Neesmith. Because he is by far the best shooter in this draft, and I think it's going to be an amazing fucking off. Imagine this guy. Do you have, have you guys ever seen him play? Have you watched Aaron Smith at, at Vanderbilt? Average twenty two a game, shot over fifty percent from three this year. Yeah, I heard he's a really good, an amazing shooter. shooter. You know, he and he built that from scratch. He wasn't like that before, and so this is what I'm thinking in my head. Steph Curry at one, Bradley Beal at two. You have Klay Thompson running three now. You have Draymond at four, Eric Pascal running the five off of the bench. You have guys like Andrew Wiggins and Aaron Neesmith. <sighs> Fucking A. And in this scenario, don't forget that they have Bradley Beal. I just, yeah, I was, I was saying Bradley Beal at two. Beal at two, Klay Thompson at three. Wiggins running off of the bench until he gets mad about it, and then they have a trade piece. And then you have also, you know, they honestly probably would trade Wiggins to the Wizards. So let's say let's say Wiggins was in that trade. They traded Wiggins and the 2021 first round pick for Bradley Beal. So no more Wiggins. But Aaron Neesmith is coming off of the bench here. Best shooter in this draft, Vanderbilt kid, you know, he really was a star this season, relatively good last year too. So I like him there. So I'm taking him at the 9 pick with the Wizards pick that was now for the Golden State Warriors, and moving on to number 10, the Phoenix Suns, there is a player here who for some fucking reason has not been taken, and that is Mr. Tyrese Halliburton out of Iowa State. And the Suns definitely, definitely, definitely need a point guard. So, you know, that's going to be who they're, who they're definitely going to be going with. If he falls that far, I really don't see it happening. I love Tyrese Halliburton. I think that he is the safest pick at point guard in this entire draft. I don't think he has the highest upside, but I think he has the highest basement of anybody in this entire draft. I just believe, you know, oversized point guard, solid intangibles, young guy, able to do a lot with the ball in his hands. He's got a consistent ball handle. He's not the he's not going to cross you over, but he's not going to lose the ball a lot either. So I think that this is somebody that they can really build around and get the ball consistently to Devin Booker, get the ball to Michael Bridges, get it to DeAndre Ayton in the post. That's who they really need right now. I compare him at a ceiling to somebody like a Jeff Teague. 
He's not going to lose you a game. He's definitely not going to win you a game, but he's definitely going to be somebody who is in the mix and is not going to make the mistake that costs you a game. And that's what they definitely need right now. If they are able to get that kind of talent, Monty Williams will be able to use him. And I think that that's somebody who they can really benefit from at number 10 pick. So that's who I'm going to say is going to go there. Number 11 now is going to go to Mark. And you are the San Antonio Spurs. Greg Popovich, Becky Hammond, Tim Duncan, DeMar DeRozan, a decrepit and aging LaMarcus Aldridge. Who are you going to take with the 11th pick? All right, well, I love the position I'm in right now with this team. I was like doing the doing the uh, math to figure out who my third team was going to be. Thought, saw the Spurs, and I saw an opportunity here to take a guy. Honestly, I would have been tempted to take Hal Burton if you had not snagged him right there. But now I'm in a position to take a guy that I've been eyeing for a team to reach on all draft long. And I really think he's going to end up going possibly inside the top 10, if not right around 10. And no, the name for you is Cole Anthony. Okay. I think Cole Anthony makes a lot lot of sense with the Spurs. This is a team, they have Deontay Murray, but I feel like that's a guy who could play a two-way guard spot. Cole Anthony and Murray, Patty Mills is getting old. This is somebody that can learn and develop under Popovich until he hangs it up and it becomes Becky Hammond and Tim Duncan. I really think there's a lot of good pieces for him to learn from. Some people think it's a project, but this is a guy who has the offensive skills. It's proven. He was injured all season long. If it's not for injuries, I think you're talking about a top six pick this season. Everyone had him pegged as a top draft pick. You know who he reminds me a lot of is Carson Edwards. Carson Edwards is a guy that the way, he, the way he lit it up in the tournament, if Cole Anthony was given that opportunity, which North Carolina probably wasn't even going to make the tournament, but if he was given that opportunity, he would have shined on the big stage. I think this is somebody that's been in the limelight since he was born. You know, he is the son of Greg Anthony. He's not afraid of the big lights. Popovich will set him straight. Popovich, you talk about a guy like LaMelo Ball who might be a problem character-wise on a team. If he had been drafted into Pop's system, you're immediately straightened out. And I think Cole Anthony would immediately develop the skills that he needs to be a great player in this league. It's just such an advantage getting drafted by the Spurs, in my opinion. I agree. I I like Cole Anthony's game. I think that he's a little bit too shoot first for a point guard. I think he's a little bit too small, small to play, too. So I think he's he's in a bad tweener position, which is like, you know, being a tweener is not a bad thing anymore in the NBA unless it's the case where you need to be a little bit more pass first. So I think that he needs to learn that. And I think he will learn that in a pop system. I think that's a great place for him. If anybody's going to be able to figure it out, it's going to be Popovich in the Spurs. And if, uh, if Pop is there. If no, pop he's staying. He's fucking staying. He he's going to stay he until he's dead. He uh, The ceiling for Cole Anthony for me is a Jason Terry. I think he's a very he's got a lot of Jason Terry in his game. He loves to shoot. He loves to score. That's what he's really good at. But if he doesn't develop and he, if he keeps his mindset score 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 and doesn't think at all about you know running a point guard running that running that position, he's going to turn into somebody like an Eddie House. Can't really win with him. Can't really start him. But you can definitely play with Cole Anthony on the team. I don't ever really see him going there. I think he's too athletic to be somebody like that. But I think that that's really what the basement of it is. So for anybody who's do wondering, he, do we think he, that he could play with a guy like Deontay Murray? Though I think that is that a fit. I think Deontay Murray is. Uh, I, I mean, Deontay Murray is 
is definitely going to be the point guard on that on that team. If Cole is going to play with him, he's going to play off the ball with him because Deontay Murray and is. Lon, I mean, they do have Lonnie Walker too, so yeah, it's yeah. very possible they go they go forward. But I'm not. A, I'm just. I, I'm not sold on Lonnie Walker I, yet. No, all. I mean not yet. I think I like him, but I don't. Th- I'm not sold on him being like a piece for them moving forward. Uh, I think that everybody on a Spurs team, if you're on a roster, you got a place. There's a reason why you're on the roster. I'm always uh, of the belief that the Spurs only pick players that they're able to use and not just players who are going to fill a roster out. So I think that that's something to really be said about them. And if Cole Anthony makes that team, honestly, I think it's a great fit. I think that he'll shut the fuck up right away. He's never really been an issue in terms of his mouth. He's a little bit loud, but that's just because he's got a famous dad. But if he is able to succeed in that team, then he's going to have a place. I just, you know, because of his fall from grace this year because of the injuries, I don't know if I can see him as a star. I think the level of competition being raised up showed us that he's not translating the way that we essentially thought he was going to from high school to college. I know he was hurt, but at the same time, when he was playing, he was good, but he wasn't always the best player on the court. And I think that has a lot to be said, especially on a team that was struggling. So that is, uh, that's that's Cole Anthony. I like that pick for 11 at for the Spurs. Number 12 is the Sacramento Kings. And it's also Ben. You'll be taking the 12th pick here. For Sacramento, who are you going to be taking with that pick? So I'm not proposing a trade this time. It's good. But I am taking another guy out of the ACC. And that's going to be Devin Vassell out of FSU. You know, I feel like the Kings, they, they need wings. You know, they have De'Aaron Fox. I mean, he's clearly their point guard of the future. And they have some young big guys, you know. They took Marvin Bagley not too long ago. Harry Giles actually didn't play too terribly. You know, he, he was used to be a former projected number one pick until he got hurt. But I feel like, you know, they could use some more wings. And Devin Vassell's a guy, you know. He's one of the most athletic, if not the most athletic wings in the draft. You know, if you watch him play at a vision, he's, I mean, that guy can fucking get up there. And he can shoot as well. So I think, like, worst case, you know, he has the tools to be a solid role player, a 3 and D kind of guy. And in today's league of positionless basketball, everything's in transition. It's fast-paced. You can never have too many athletic wings who can shoot. He moves very gracefully. Uh, that's the thing I noticed when I watched this tape. He he does it doesn't look like he puts a lot of effort. And I think because sometimes that's a ding on some guys where they, they it's so easy for them that it looks like they're not trying. You know that was the case with a lot of these guys. That was honestly a ding against Kevin Durant early on in his career, where it's like he does this shit so easily that it looks like he's not trying too hard. But if anybody else tries to do that stuff, it looks like it's very difficult. And so Devin Vassell, love this pick. I think that he honestly is going to be gone by now in the in the actual draft. But if he, if he falls to Sacramento, they would be stupid not to take him. He is the most athletic player in this draft. That is without a doubt in my mind. He plays a lot like Rudy Gay. That's the way that I see him. He is a good shooter. He doesn't he doesn't shoot that often, but when he does shoot, it, d- it does tend to go in. So uh, he if he can utilize that more, if maybe the volume going up doesn't affect the percentage as much as it usually does for people, that's going to be huge for him. 
If he's able to shoot two to three to four or turn two or three threes a game to like five or six a game, then he could honestly up that scoring average probably to about 11 or 12 and then utilize his ability to get to the basket, to get above defenders. Those are really big things for anybody to come into the NBA with, and he has that in spades. So I think that's a good way to start. Great pick. And the thing, too, as well, is like it's very hard. I mean, you can't really look at his stats as a defining thing because at FSU, you know, they play like their rotation is like 10 to 12 guys, you know. They're constantly, you know, they're picking up full court. They're pressing the hell out of you. Kind of like a Louisville type thing. So, you know, they're rotating guys in and out because it's tough to play that kind of, put that kind of defensive pressure on for 40 minutes when you have guys playing like 30 to 35 minutes a game. So they like to rotate a lot of guys. So it's tough to put up more than 16 points a game in that system. It's hard to in any system in college. I think when they get to the NBA, it's when the the space opens up, they play more minutes. You start to see kind of what they're able to do on offense, you know? So that's a good point. You know, he, he didn't play as many minutes as most people would in in high in in college. And his scoring averages were significantly less than they probably would have been if he was on a team with less talent. You know, FSC was a good team this year. They actually have another guy in this, probably going to get taken by somebody in this, in this, uh, in this draft, that's mock draft of ours. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a great pick by the Kings. I think he fits in really well in the up and down floor. I think he can run with De'Aaron Fox, which is absolutely huge. And if uh, if he's able to run with him, if he's able to be a, a pop-out guy for, for De'Aaron when he's trying to drive to the basket to, to kick it out to to, to Vassal to, to shoot a three, I think that's huge. I think that he's able to be a good contributor probably relatively early on. So that's a good pick for the Kings there. 13's the Pelicans. Logan. Who do you have playing with Zion this year? Who do I have playing with Zion Williams this year? Well, that Pelicans team, man, I fucking – I don't like them at all, if you want my honest opinion. But I just – there needs to be some change at point guard, man. There needs to be a change at point guard. And it's just – like, I, like I, I'm sort of taking the fantasy football approach to – at this point. Um uh, Trey Jones, baby. Takes it. Reunite him. RJ Hampton's still on the board. I would say presses at you uh, out of Memphis. Power forward. Be able to move Zion Fuck down it. to three. You know, keep what's his name? Jackson Hayes at five. Precious at four. I hate the Ball Brothers. I'm getting rid of Lonzo. We're taking RJ Hampton. Wow. We're starting fresh. I think that's a steal. I think anybody who takes RJ Hampton's getting a fucking steal. I think the fact that he's not a top ten pick in this draft is an absolute travesty. Crazy. And you know what, Nick? The only reason why he's not is because he didn't play college basketball. But he is a combo guard. He's quick. He's explosive. He's got good size. He's grown over three inches within literally the past two years. And he is a physical product. He's got a versatile offensive game. His fundamentals need a little bit of work, but with his quick feet and his defense, he's fully engaged. His positional length is there. He just needs to toughen up as a finisher and a defender. Um, he's not really a drive-in kind of guy. He only averages three and a, you know three and a half free throws per forty minutes, despite how athletic he is. So it's a little weird with a guy like this on the board. If he went to college, he'd be a top five player, and that's just that's just. If he went, to, he from, was the top fucking player in this in this recruiting class. You know, every yeah. he was the number one guy, and because he didn't go to college, everybody just 
wrote him off. And I think this is the exact same thing that happened with Mitchell Robinson. He didn't go to college and everybody wrote him off and look what he's doing. Just because he doesn't go to college doesn't mean that he's not a fucking great player. It's it's insane to me that this is how what the, how they're treating this. And I think after this draft class and next year where uh, who's it Jalen Green is that his name? Those two guys who whatever not a Coral. The two guys who didn't go to Stanley Kuminga and Jalen Green who didn't go who opted out of going to college and are now getting fucking paid in the D League the G League instead. This is going to be the revolution here because now we have Lamelo. regardless of what you guys think about him he is going to go top five pick and he hasn't he didn't go to college and now we have a guy like rj hampton who's going to come probably in the 20 to 25 range and he's going to produce for the team that he's going to play for he's going to be producing in the playoffs and so this is going to be a big thing for players and for teams to see that these guys have an alternate route an alternate path and they do not have to fall into the cesspool of the ncaa and that's going to be a big big wake-up call for everybody including the ncaa to actually learn like this is actually something we have to take into to to question so RJ Hampton's a great pick there. I love RJ Hampton. I really think that he's got a lot. He's got a lot of Penny Hardaway in him. Uh, if he's able to get there, is really going to be the question. So that's who I would honestly have taken to if I, if I was at that pick. I have this the next pick, which is the Boston Celtics, and they got that pick from the Memphis Grizzlies. And with that hey, pick, get this one right. Oh no, there's only one pick. It's Precious Achua out of Memphis. I, like I think it. he's I like the it. best position for them right now because they where they have great wings and they have, you know, good point guard play, they definitely need some interior presence. And I think that SU is really good for their system because while he is a power forward, he does play some center. He's about 6'9 in that range. He is still a guy who can run in transition. He's not the biggest guy. He's 6'9", 225. He's got some size to him, but at the same time, he's going to be able to work with wings. He's going to be able to be a guy who you can set a pick and pop for. Like Those kind of things are really important for somebody when they are, one, new to the NBA, and two, when they are running with a team like the Celtics who is very who have a lot of ball-dominant wings. So that's going to be something that is going to be a big thing for him. He's strong. He's versatile. He's very quick. He's got a decent jump shot, and his defense is definitely getting better. If they can get an interior defender out of this pick, I think that they've definitely won this entire draft because they really don't have a lot that they really need, and they will have the ability here to get somebody who is going to be able to to give them a lot of benefit at this 14th pick from the Memphis Grizzlies. So I'm going to go a Celtics it. fan. I love this pick. I mean, I think if he, Anyone? I don't think he's going to be around any, anymore. I think he's going to be gone. In the time that James Wiseman was out for Memphis, this is the guy who stepped into his place and started to play very high-level basketball. And we started to get a feel for who he was because we're watching the Grizzlies or we're watching the Memphis Tigers because of James Wiseman. Now he's gone, but we're still watching the Memphis Tigers. And now Precious Atiyua is taking this place and he's playing a very, very good brand of basketball. So I think that he was he was this obviously this number two guy on this team, but I think that he is going to be probably a key contributor very early on. And, uh, and him and somebody like, you know, Grant Williams and, and, and Andy Cantor, Daniel Tice, it's going to be a really good rotation of big men that the Celtics can use moving forward. All right. So I'm next up, correct? Orlando magic. magic. First team bounce. Now, first- by the way, for anybody who's listening, this order isn't set yet, but we're, we're relatively sure 
that the teams who got swept or the teams who were you know beat by one seeds are going to be the 15, 16, 17, but we're only going to do 15 and 16. So Mark has the 15th pick, Orlando Magic. Who are you going to take with that pick? Just before I get into that, I just want to throw one idea out there. Logan just made his last pick. Uh, where he went, RJ Hampton, which I think is a great idea. But how about, is there any way that with that pick, the Pelicans could decide to go with Trey Jones and pair him up with Zion? I think it's definitely an idea there. There's a lot of comfortability there, and I think it might help Zion to have a guy like that that he's familiar with. Trey Jones might make a lot of sense in that pick. I just, think there's so many just point guards better than him in this draft class. I mean, the, just to, to name a few in between, at that level, you have like Tyrell Terry out of Stanford. You have a guy like Theo Maladin out of France who who's probably should be coming up soon. Nico Mannion's still on the table, and he's like a 25 to 30 kind of guy uh, in terms of his range. You know, you have Jim, Jemias Ramsey out of Texas Tech. You know, the, the Emmanuel Quickly out of Kentucky, Devon Dotson. I mean, those, I think all of those guys are will have more production in the NBA than Trey Jones, who I think has a lot of flaws in his in his ability both on defense and also with some of his with his with capability to to produce and create his own shot and also to to set other players up for for their shots. I know he's a good passer. I know he's able to see the floor. I just think he's got a lot of holes in this game. So I don't know. I, I don't I don't really see that being the the best pick for them there. All right, so. Now, with this pick for the Magic, this is a, another team that I actually think has a lot of pieces. I think they're closer than they let on. And especially, you know, with the way Fultz has looked since joining the Magic, I don't necessarily think they're going to look at the point guard position as a need. I think they like what they have there. And with the rest of their guard play, it's it's not great, but they have some pieces there. You got Terrence Ross and Evan Fournier, and if you want to try and make a run at being a six, seven, eight seed in these next coming years, while Vucevic still has some time left and Aaron Gordon, I think you really are going to be looking at wing players here. And what I really think they need is shooting. So that makes me look immediately at who's the best shooter available in this draft at the moment, and I have a hard time arguing that it's not Shadiq Bey. Sadiq Bey, I'm sorry. Out of Villanova, this is a guy that I think is easily one of the best shooters in this class. Not named, probably. Neesmith. Avdija might be one of the Neesmith one of the, the other. One. Exactly, but uh, Bay is a guy that I really like. I think this is somebody that could bring shooting to a Magic team that really needs it. They need wing players who can do just that. I definitely thought about Patrick Williams here. Is another guy that would bring that wing type player, but he's only 19 years old. I think this magic team might want somebody who's a little bit more proven. A 21 year old in Bay is a little bit older. He was a sophomore this past season. So at least he has two years under his belt. Uh, average 16 points a game. This is a guy that can score. He can shoot. I saw a couple mock drafts that had the Celtics taking him. I think that's a fit as well, but I just got to be honest. I think that, the Magic really needs shooting. Bay is a guy that could definitely fit. I agree with that. I think that if he doesn't go there, the Blazers are definitely taking him next. I mean, on my draft, on my mock draft, I don't have him going until Milwaukee at 18. But I think that, and somebody actually made the comment on this when I posted this this mock draft, and I think they had a good point. I think that he's per, he's good fit for for Portland. Um, I I like that pick for Orlando. I think that they might need some help at point guard still. 
Um, but I mean, we'll see what happens with Markel. We'll see what happens with some of the, the backups there and how they can create offense going forward. I like Sadiq Bay. I think he's a great shooter. I think he's a great creator for his own shot, which is so big for, for a young guy to create your own shot at a very high level and to do it consistently and keep your averages up while doing it is something that really cannot be undervalued or overvalued. I mean, it's just, it's very, it's very hard to do and not a lot of guys are very good at doing it. So I think that's a great pick. And then for the last pick that we're going to do here is the 16th pick, which is the Portland Trailblazers, everybody's heartbreak team this year. RIP. Ben, that's your pick. So who are you going to take with the 16th? Or I paid my money because I bet on the Blazers winning that series. They probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Happens. It's all right. The Celtics are going to come through for me. Just put a $50 bet on them winning the East. It's looking good right now, but with the Blazers, you know what they lacked in that series? I think they lacked a wing that they can really put on the opposing team's best score. You know, they didn't have an answer for LeBron once he really got going. You know, they have good size. You know, Nurkic is good. Hassan Whiteside, as much as everyone shits on him, he's not a bad big off the bench. But I feel like Trevor Ariza and Rodney Hood would have really made a difference in that series. But I'm going to get him a wing, and I'm going to get Josh Green out of Arizona. Might be biased because that's my fucking school. I grew up Reach. watching Arizona basketball. Reach. But he, look, he's really Reach. fucking athletic. I think he's the best out of those three guys coming out of Arizona that are going to go in the Reach. later half. Such a reach, man. I, okay. I mean, I give it to him. I'll give it to you. What, at, this, at this like spot, you're starting to fall into draft like best available. So I, I don't. I mean, it, realistically, he's, they're not. They're probably not going to take him because he's he's more of a second round. You think so? Yeah, I think he's a second round talent. Personally, I, mean, I feel like his motor was there at Arizona. I mean, he just he's just raw offensively. Raw. But I mean, but if you if, very raw, but he's a, he has a nice touch. He can get to the basket. He's really he can defend. I feel like his game just translates well in the NBA. But so he's like a. I mean, he's a three ish right three like kind of three ish four in, in college he played a little bit or was he smaller no he played the two and the three the two and the three guys so he but he they was a, him in the backcourt he was with a, he was a drive he was yeah i remember him then he got to the basket but everything else was relatively inconsistent is that correct his shot he has a nice touch but you know he, there's just there's games where he put up like 16 18 and there's games where you have like eight it's like yeah that's college though i mean i, I mean i'll give it to him it's just I think that for a lot of for picks in this range, it's not necessarily that he's not good enough to be there. I think that's a, there's just better talent to to take here that they're not Who going. Who would you have taken? Uh, I mean, if, in terms of like a shooting guard, because there's I'm like t- your Portland's pick is. I think they need a wing. If they if they're going like, for a I wing, I'm thinking like Tyrese Maxey out of Kentucky. And if I'm not going to go Tyrese Maxey, then I'm probably who I'll probably go Jaden McDaniels maybe out of Washington. Um, I mean, if, if, if we're only talking wings, I think that those are the big, those are the three best available at that phase. I don't know if, if you could stretch to go anywhere else. I mean, very, very big reach also would be possibly Elijah Hughes out of Syracuse, 
but I don't think that he's really a, a mid first round talent. I think he's an end of the first round talent. So if we're going strictly wings, then I think the big the pick here is going to be Tyrese Maxey. That's who I'm taking. I might be biased. I'm an Arizona guy, but I think Josh Green out of those three guys is going to have the most success in the league. But you probably watched him more than all of them. I'm the I same did, way. Yeah. I would I would have taken Elijah Hughes over anybody because I only watch Syracuse, right? So I know what Elijah Hughes does, and I know how how much he can light it up. I know he averaged you know 19 a game at a team that doesn't typically put up that many points. So that's a big that's a big deal. But I know that in terms of talent gap, he is not on the same level. I think that Nico's going to be the first Arizona guy off the board. Um, he fell like tremendously because of his season. He did. We talked about that too. And, you know, with him, you know, he's big. He's got the tools as well. But he was just, I mean, sometimes his decision making was just, I'm just looking at, I'm watching the game and I'm like, what? Like, and, you know, he, he is athletic. I feel like he's another guy that he's similar to Green. He has the tools, but just the production wasn't there. Right. For some reason. Yeah. And so- I blame it on Sean Miller. I, I mean, think Sean so, Miller, we need to fire Sean Miller so fucking fast. Like, he sucks. Like, he can recruit, but he doesn't know how to coach. Like, we, and he's a terrible motivator. Like, there's been so many, like, big time March Madness games. For exa- the best example was the Laurie Markinen year when we had Alonzo Trier, Markinen. That team, they beat the Alonzo Ball UCLA team and that Oregon team that made the Final Four uh, in the Pac 12 tournament. And we get to the Sweet 16. We have a clear path to the Final Four. We're playing the 11th-seeded Xavier Musketeers against his fucking former assistant coach. <laughs> and his assistant coach plays a fucking zone, and Miller doesn't know what to do. Yeah. And we fucking lose. Like, it's, it's just a cycle, repeat it, repeat it. I'm sick and tired of it. Yeah, I mean, they're, they haven't been, like, really all that good since, since uh, Lou was there. DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> uh, Rip Lou, he just died I know, last just week. just died last week. All right, so that was the last pick, 16, going to Portland. We're not going to do the rest of them or else we'll be here all the fucking night, and I am actually getting relatively tired. So we're going to call it a night for everybody who's still with us. Hopefully that's everybody. I think it's been pretty fucking entertaining, honestly. We're going to sign off. I am Nick. Ben, what do you have coming up in your in your show in the next couple weeks? Well, uh, I actually just ended up securing something decently big so doing a college football episode next week there's a guy that lives a couple apartments down for me he's starting he's a starting slot receiver for usf bryce miller i'm gonna be interviewing him for the show so that's very cool be pretty exciting very cool i thought you were gonna have like a porn star on or something but i guess i was wrong ah. yeah. one day one day one day very cool he's, I'll get, he's I'll right his right hand will have to do for now. Hilarious, Logan. Very funny. Very funny. That being said, Logan, Mark, what do you guys have coming up for Mark and Graham? Yeah, Mark we're gonna and- have, <laughs> we're gonna have an episode coming up pretty soon. We got to do our NFL predictions. Uh, we're definitely gonna be criticizing each other's fantasy teams. I just Logan sent me his the other night. It's trash. Definitely like some it. things, but a couple things I have trash. to trash. My team was better than Logan's. I picked Fournette in the tenth round, and he just got signed. Let's go. His team made my dick sad. I'll just say that. All right. You know what, Nick? <laughs> Everything was fucking great until you said that. So I'm going uncom- I'm gonna, I'm gonna to uncomfortably sign off now. Logan's out. Anyway, <laughs> sounds good, everybody. 
thanks you guys all for being here so much. This was a lot of fun. I hope you guys had fun too. And that being said, I think we're all out of stuff to say. So if you are not ugly, stay beautiful. I'll be back next week and uh, signing off. Mm-hmm.